We are In Conversation with the Sanford School, a podcast from the T. Denny Sanford School of Social and Family Dynamics at Arizona State University, designed to showcase timely and informative insights from leading faculty, researchers, and other experts which impact the ever-changing social world we live in. Here at the Sanford School, we recognize that the lands where we are hosting this conversation at Arizona State University belong to the Maricopa and Pima peoples, and we are privileged that we can welcome you to today's conversation. In today's podcast, we're excited to be in conversation with our special guests to discuss some unique aspects of the military student. Salute to Service Month and ASU's Pat Tillman Veteran Center. Our guest today is Jeff Gimmerin, director of ASU's Pat Tillman Veterans Center. Our host of today's podcast is Jennifer Brome, instructor here in the School of Social and Family Dynamics. Jeff, welcome to the podcast and take it away, Jennifer. Thanks, John. Good morning, Jeff. It's always good to see you. And I think we're going to be talking about something very critical to uh, uh, the understanding for all of our students at Arizona State University. I just wanted to begin with a very brief history of how we came together uh, to begin with. Originally, when I was developing the military family class, I worked with the ROTC. And during the ROTC, I had the pleasure of working with Lieutenant Colonel uh, Mike Halleck, who was the commander of the Air Force ROTC, and Captain Steve Gordon, who had brought the Navy to uh, Arizona State. And then this is exactly how we met because you came to the command, be the commander of the Air Force ROTC. And I really began to think in that we had covered it for the military students uh, at Arizona State University until I had some veterans in my class. And then in coming to the office and being told that uh, they, they didn't feel welcome. They were uncomfortable. They didn't feel people. There was just an array and I'm gonna let you address that. Uh, and then I started to be invited to teach the, in the success program uh, at the veterans. And I got a really big earful about some of the things that were missing. And so then uh, after, uh, Captain Gordon retired and went over to be the director of the Pat Tillman Center. He allowed me to run a focus group over there. And uh, I ran and I said, what do you need from us? And uh, I got a list. And again, I'm going to allow you to address that. Um, so it became critical that I started to engage with the Pat Tillman Center, and I was very welcome there uh, to uh, provide my viewpoints to see how we could collaborate. And that's something that I want to stress, the, the willingness of the Pat Tillman Veterans Center to collaborate with faculty uh, for the betterment of our veterans students. And so with that, I will let you share because I'm sure they have spoken with you far more than they have spoken with me. 
<laughs> well, thanks, Jennifer. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. And, and like you mentioned, the history uh, that, that we have going back a few years. Uh, I, I was the Air Force ROTC commander here in 2016, uh, unfortunately, only for one academic year. And then uh, Air Force had different uh, intention for me after that, so I had to leave. But now, uh, retired myself and, and back and kind of following in the footsteps of what Steve Gordon put in place. Uh, I'm excited to, to have this opportunity and really excited too to have the opportunity to synchronize and synergize the efforts between our two functions. And uh, so I'm, I'm 100% on board with uh, your philosophy and, and approach. And, and, and it's great to hear that history of, of how you originated it uh, the, the efforts that you're doing, because uh, we, we talked in the, uh, the podcast the other day on, on other issues, but we really hit on the need to reduce that civil military gap and figure out how do we get uh, the faculty, the staff, the other students and, and connected with the veterans, connected with the military active duty, connected with those ROTC cadets and midshipmen because they're about to step into a world that is very new to them that they've been preparing and training for. So bringing all that together uh, is, is, is my dream and my vision. And I think that's a huge role that the Pat Tillman Veterans Center here plays. And it's one of my enduring objectives that I've laid out in, in our strategy is, is to bring that civil military gap together and, and close it so that we have better understanding better empathy and, and better collaboration uh, across uh, many different aspects of, of what we do every day. So uh, again, very excited to be here. Uh, and if you'd like, I can kind of step into some of the questions or, or how would you like to approach it from here? I think what might be good is I'd like to give an example of some of the things that I've heard. And then I'd like you to, to address and on the the, the wider expansion of how you're being able to see uh, how we can collaborate better. Sure, you bet. I think it's important. And as you said, we both share the same objectives. We want the best for our students and we want them to feel comfortable with faculty because we all know the more comfortable a student feels, the more transparent we are, more willing to go into a conversation, the more they trust us and therefore the more they learn. So that's probably um, critical. But um, how it came originally to my, um, attention in class. I was teaching a large lecture hall and there were some students in the back that were talking and I don't even notice it anymore. It happens and I probably may have chatted during a class too. And so, but there was some young Marine in the class and he stood up and turned around and said, Mrs. Brome is talking, what is wrong with you? Be respectful. And I was like, whoa, I mean, it even took me back. I will tell you the students stopped talking and uh, <laughs> I would do whatever Marie told me to do too, I think. Uh, but anyway, and then I asked him after class, I thanked him first for, for doing that. But then I said, why did you do it? And he said, because it's disrespectful. We are here to learn and I'm getting tired 
of all this frivolous nonsense in class. And that prompted me to say, why don't you make an appointment with me in the office? And we need to really talk because I think there are perspectives that we need to talk and, you know, because I don't want you to be unhappy, but the students are not gonna respond well to this either. So anyway, so that really sort of opened my eyes that, you know, how we have the digital divide. Well, we have a veterans, uh, a regular campus student divide. And that sort of made me realize that as a faculty member, I need to pay more attention to this. And that's eventually what led me to do the focus group. But anyway, that was just one example. And I have several, but I, I know that they talk to you. So I think it's probably uh, you'll be able to delve into more uh, substance on why it's so important that we get this interconnectedness. Yeah, so I, I think you hit on a, on a pretty important point in that regard, and that's the transition. The transition from active duty uh, service and, and the environment and the culture that, that that veteran is a part of, and now they're stepping into a completely different realm that is almost invariably opposite in, in many aspects of, of what they're used to. And so I, there is some differentiation between uh, experiences and so forth in that uh, when, when you get the, the, the typical enlisted member joins the military at age 18, they are in their formative years, of course, the, and in a parallel to what a, a college, typical college student is doing. But in this case, that 18, 19, 20, 21 year old on the military side is, is in a different environment. They are uh, very structured. They are very order centric. They are very directive centric. They, they kind of follow the lead and, and develop the, the surrounding system and, and how they, they approach things in that, that space. Now there is expectation that they grow as leaders and become uh, the replacement for those that, that push on and retire afterwards. So there, there is a grooming of sorts, but it's a grooming internal to a culture that is very dedicated to structure and, and knowing your place and understanding the, the differences between ranks uh, and, and, and having professional respect. And, and I think that's, that's an aspect of what you saw in that, that Marine veteran that was now placed into an environment that is completely different. Uh, where, where those scopes and bounds are, are much looser. And so when they make that transition, it, it's going to be hard for them because they've, they've come from something that they acquired in their formative years. And now they're put into a place where now they are more experienced, they're older. And, and uh, I've mentioned before, I think in our conversations that the the uh, average age of our student veteran here at ASU and our population of approximately 10,500, both uh, immersion and online, their, their average age is a little over 30 years old. And so that's a stark contrast to the average age of the, the typical college student in that 18 to 20 something year range. So when you have an eight to 10 year difference, uh, we, we all know that we learned a lot between age 22 and, and probably 30 plus, I know I did. Uh, and so when you come in with, with that experience set, hey, you're now thrust into this different environment, you're, you're seeing some very 
different approaches and different thoughts and different cultures and different perspectives. And so one of the things that, that I encourage, and, and I actually captured this in a, in a lecture that we give to the uh, online students uh, through ASU 42, that program, is I, I really uh, hit home the need to be resilient and, and, and a little more empathetic and understanding because you're not going, you're going to be a minority as a student veteran coming in here because by far and large, there's a lot more civilian students and, and, and faculty and staff that do not have uh, the service experience. So you're coming in as a minority into an environment where you have to kind of figure out how to adapt. And so that, that puts a lot of pressure on them. I'll add one other thing too, is the, the transition brings uh, different experiences and, and different requirements for these student veterans because again, as I mentioned, the average age is a little over 30. A lot of them have families already. A lot of them have uh, careers that they've actually started already and are doing them while they're going to school. So those, those added variables can really make for a complex mix of things that they have to deal with that the, 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 the typical college student just doesn't. Uh, uh, by and large. And so uh, that is an interesting dynamic to see in action. And I think you've, you've had some really good experiences in your time where you've, you've had the Fast 410 class and the other activities surrounding that where you've seen that first and foremost happen. And uh, it, it is quite a, a sight to see. And so the intent or one of the intents of the Pat Tillman Veterans Center in that case is, is we are here to help that transition and, and create what we deem a success culture for them to come in, you know, anywhere from the recruitment stage through their academic life cycle, semester in, semester out, until the end when they graduate. And then, and then if they need help getting a, a career position, we wanna be there with them every step of the way in terms of how we support and facilitate their needs. And, and, and I think that is that has paid off big dividends in the time that the Tillman Center has been in place. And I, I really want to kind of level that up and, and expand it as much as possible. I think uh, you explained something for me that uh, makes a lot of sense as a faculty member. One of the things that I learned in the focus group is because, you know, every faculty member has office hours. You can certainly come and talk to a faculty member during that time. But in the focus group, they said, you know, no, we really, you know, we feel like you need to outreach us and say it's okay for us to come to the office. And you just explained because really culturally, you don't just go into your commanding officer's office and say, you know, can we have a chat and have some coffee? That's not gonna happen. And I would imagine most individuals would be prefer not to be called into the commander's office. So for us as faculty, it seems that if we do notice an uncomfortable situation, it's probably important for us to reiterate, yes, these are office hours. You're welcome to come bring whatever you want to talk about and we can meet and have a meaningful discussion. I even notice with emails that I get from uh, a lot of my veteran uh, students, they will also start off ma'am and I feel so old. 
but uh, then, but it's very formally, and then I write back, you know, and it's a respectful email, but it's not as formal as their email, and I think it comes as a surprise to them, and, and I think you did a good explanation of why, and certainly the experiences that many of them have, a lot of us are not able to relate to because we've not been in a war zone. We've not been in a situation where we've had to be hypervigilant all of the time. And, uh, and then to go from that kind of a scenario then to a place where, you know, students are really laid back, you know, from their perspective that they're laid back. And so I, I really appreciate that because I think that's a good guide for uh, any faculty to remember that if you see someone that is a veteran, and um, I will sometimes, I don't ask in class if I have any veterans because I did that once and then I had three veterans come and tell them I, I embarrassed them. So I don't do that anymore, but um, I, I try to let people know that if you have any interesting circumstances, I would really like to know about it. And, uh, and then I seem to have them come up uh, and will tell me they're a veteran and I'll say, oh, you know, what service were you in? And I apologize for having been a member of the army to my Air Force and Navy veterans. But I always quickly add that I have a cousin that's a retired Air Force colonel and I had a son in the Navy. So it sort of, uh, I think, exonerates me. <laughs> yeah, you've got the joint flavor there, the, the, all the services. Yeah. So, yes. So anyway, one of the things that um, I wanted to ask though, from your perspective, what is some of the best things that, um, especially for my 410 class, but for faculty at large, what are really some of the best items that uh, we can do to be supportive to the Pat Tillman Center? And of course, uh, as a product to the uh, veterans uh, that are in our classes. Yeah, so great question, and uh, and I appreciate the the sincerity and the thought to to, to put to it. Uh, one thing I'd I'd like to to make a pitch for is uh, uh, my team uh, that that works outreach and engagement here, Michelle Leposky and Sean Bonza, uh, within the Pat Tillman Veterans Center. They offer a course that is uh, is, is quite good called the Probing Grounds which they give uh, free to any organization that, that is within the ASU enterprise or even out. They've done a few of those in the local community where they uh, walk through a program of education uh, and, and, and say both of them are veterans and, and what they do is, is lay out on the table. Hey, here, here's the typical veteran that, that you're gonna come in contact with in the, in the academic environment. Here's how they think, here's how they approach things, here's what they uh, have expectations for, sometimes a little bit disconnected from reality because of, of what we talked about. Um, and, and so here is their, their example and here's is, is, is kind of what they do, think and feel. And so that has, has received rave reviews from all the organizations that have received that because it has given them a perspective Many of them, of course, not having been uh, veterans in the military, 
had no idea what to expect and, and no idea how to handle uh, certain circumstances. And so uh, I, I really want to encourage folks that are interested in reach out to us if you'd like us to uh, organize that for you and, and they'll gladly do it. They do a fantastic job with it. Um, also to your question as well, sometimes we, we, we tend to label all veterans in, in kind of one bucket and, and that they're the, uh, uh, the typical, uh, you know, infantrymen that's been out in the field uh, and, and fought a war and, 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 and had a variety of issues and things of that nature associated with it, it could be post-traumatic stress, uh, a variety of other issues. Yes, there is a subset of, of military veterans that, that have those circumstances and, and you will see some of them in the classes here at ASU. Uh, it's, it's not a large number. It's, it's a small subset of that category. Uh, by and large, most of the veterans, uh, especially when you talk about all the service components and I'll even throw a bone to my friends in the Coast Guard, is they, they have different experiences and uh, sometimes they, they'll do four years or whatever and they haven't deployed, but they've still been a part of a military structure, a part of that military organization and those units. So it, it's, it's not a, a kind of one size fits all. It's, it's a, a reflection of our society, the, the people that come into these military organizations in these service branches and so uh, you, you kind of have to look at them each a little bit different. Uh, there, yes, there are some underlying kind of common trends and, and we talked a little bit about those uh, in, in the previous question, but don't, don't label them one thing that you have a, a kind of a, a bias or a, or a perspective or a vision of based on something else. And so what I would encourage in that case is uh, if, if you do want to dig a little bit more and, and understand them a little bit more, have that one-on-one -on -one chat like you do, which, which I highly encourage and, and I'm happy to see. And, and so when a faculty member is, is having that conversation, they can kind of peel the onion back a little bit and understand a little bit more about, hey, this service member or this active duty now veteran has some different experience sets that, that maybe, maybe me as faculty who doesn't have that connection never even realized. And so uh, that is really critical, I think. And, and I'm, I'm excited to hear when a faculty member will offer them that conversation. That said, there are a lot of veterans and, and I've already crossed paths with several of them since I've been here uh, since June of this year. They don't want anything to do with any of that structure. They don't want anything to do with that organization. They don't like hierarchies anymore. They're almost kind of that anti, hey, I did my time and I'm out of there and I don't want to be a part of any more of that. I want to just kind of be my free floating self and, 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 and get out of that. So you'll see some of them. And, 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 and I would say it's, it's a larger number than you probably expect. They just want to kind of carve out their little niche in their space and, and be quiet and, and move on with their lives. And, and they just, they don't even want to make a reference to, hey, I, I, I serve. Uh, or these were my experience sets. So I, I say all that because uh, we just want to be careful about the label that we put on them and, and that they are a reflection of society. They come from different backgrounds. They have different experience sets. And even when they get into the military and serve in, in, in these branches of the services, they have different experience sets. 
And so the more you can kind of dig into that and, and, and peel those onions back and, and understand it, the better. And I think that will really help kind of bring that civil military gap uh, a lot closer in that regard. I think that you had made some very good points and I, I, I have two illustrations of your point. One, I did have a, a veteran, as you said, very different experiences, very different, who was experiencing PTSD, came to me and said, I need you to work with me on this. And I admire him for coming and telling me that. And so what I did was I allowed him the flexibility of handing his assignments in whenever he felt he could do it without being stressed. Because he said if he stresses, he's, he can't do anything. And he was not of any value to his family. And I'm certainly not going to put any student, regardless of whether they're veterans or not, in that situation where they're starting to feel valueless. And so, and he did amazing work, but he was able to do it on his own timetable. And I had no issue with that. And then the other one that you put about everybody being mixed and different, I learned that in my own family because as a military family, Bill was an officer. And when Sean decided to go into the Navy, he opted to enlist. He had a good reason for enlisting and he, that was what he wanted to do. The conversations that went on you would think that ne neither of us under had anything in the military. And, and Sean would always be saying, but dad, it's different. You don't understand. I take orders, you gave orders. Yeah. And so I can imagine when you're looking out at 400 students and you have some veterans, you can't just put them all together and say, okay, now we're gonna work this way because I don't care what branch you were in. I don't care what level and I don't care where you went. You know, being stationed in Hawaii might be a little bit different than being stationed in Afghanistan. No doubt about that. So yeah, I so many different unique experience sets really make it dynamic what you get out of that veteran. And so you're going to get a, a, a unique aspect of, of a lot of things when you interact with them. And, and so I'm, I'm so encouraged by what I see across the ASU campuses, the willingness to want to talk, to collaborate, to interact, and, and so uh, that's not everywhere. And, and so it's, a, it's really a military supportive university here. And, and I, don't, I don't mean that in the sense is that, hey, everybody on the campus wants to go bomb uh, whatever country. It's, it's more of a supportive aspect of we, we respect what, what they've done. Uh, we want to learn more about it and we want to help them make that transition from the military life to civilian life and uh, the, the, the programs we have in place that, that are augmented with the Veterans Administration and a variety of other uh, veteran support organizations and so forth. It, 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 I, I will say the, the VA and, and a lot of those entities take a lot of face shots. Uh, some of it's warranted because of uh, bureaucratic processes and things of that nature. 
But uh, my last three years in active duty, I spent a lot of time uh, traveling internationally, working security cooperation issues with a variety of, of counterparts in foreign militaries. And uh, in particular, <laughs> I was always struck when, when I worked with the Five Eye community, the, the Brits, the, the uh, Australians, the Canadians, and the uh, Kiwis. Invariably, every conversation I had with them was uh, usually with a beer uh, in a pub somewhere. And, and we eventually got talking about how each country supports their veteran population. And, and across the board, uh, all those partners were extremely jealous of what the U.S. has in its, in, in its processes and its, in its activities and its support structures that we put out there to help our veteran population. And so it, it, it's not even close in those other countries from what they're, they were communicating to me. So we have a lot of good things in place and they're mirrored here at ASU. Uh, it's uh, the Pat Tillman Veterans Center is just one element of that. It's it's a it's a key cog in that machine, but across the enterprise, be it administrative support, be it the faculty, uh, you name it, uh, it 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 is it is very strong, and and that's one of the reasons I wanted to come back here because that presence is here. We can make it better. We can level it up, and there's a lot of things that that we have on our our plans here at the Tillman Center to to do that. But it won't be just us doing it. It, it. it takes a federated approach, which uh, I'm encouraged to see a lot of willingness to do that. I think collaboration is probably always important and, and the opportunity to communicate and have transparency with each other because we all have different avenues that we need to work with the students and certainly whatever course we're teaching, we have our own style and we have our own expertise. So I think that's why it's so important for us to dialogue with with one another and this leads me to talk about the importance of salute to service and asu i think does an amazing job with salute to service you know i had a couple of years ago the opportunity to put together one of the programs and i was amazed with talking with people and i mean people faculty administration students they put their heart and soul into the honoring during salute to service and i may be a little bit biased but i think ksu does probably one of the best jobs with a salute to service and everybody, it seems to get excited about it. So I'd like for you to address, you know, why so? Yeah, yeah, so uh, I'm in agreement with you. It is a, a fantastic series of events that's usually centered on the 11 November Veterans Day holiday. And uh, I, I was uh, part of the one in 2016 timeframe when I was here for that time, uh, participated in some of the events and a little bit of the planning, but I didn't have the full scope of everything. Uh, I'm, I'm learning that now, of course, in the, in the Pat Tillman director role and uh, seeing uh, the, the vast amount of desire and, and energy associated with putting something together that does exactly what you just uh, talked about honoring service above self. And so the, the, the one thing that I'm excited about for this year's version, uh, even though we've had our challenges with COVID-19 and, and the impacts of, of uh, 
limiting the, the large gatherings and, and so forth is that the uh, steering committee has decided to expand kind of the scope of this effort and, and the recognition. And so now it's a salute to service through a variety of other things, not just military service, but it could be first responders, medical providers, teachers, uh, anyone that's done leadership or mentorship. Folks across the ASU enterprise uh, that are currently here or even alumni or others that have, have expanded and, and, and uh, spread their wings and, and gone on other places, giving them that, that recognition and that due of you've done something above uh, all else and, and, and sacrificed to do service before self. And so we wanna recognize as much of that as possible, uh, still keeping a lot of that military and that veteran theme as well. So with the uh, events this year, it'll be the 5th through the 19th of November, <laughs> you're gonna see a, a little bit more of an expanded scope in that regard. And uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have the uh, availability of the, the football game, which is usually that signature event. There will be football, but it just won't have folks in the stands. So what we've uh, elected to do is uh, set up a virtual concert, which is gonna be on the 8th of November. And, and I'm excited for this, uh, not, not necessarily, yeah, the band will be great. It's gonna be the Gin Blossoms and they're gonna play uh, roughly a 35 minute set virtually. Very but, nice. Yeah, but before and after that, that concert event uh, that's broadcast, we're gonna have a series of recognition videos that highlight service before self. And it'll, it'll encompass all those categories that I mentioned. And uh, a, lot, a lot of the colleges are pitching in and a lot of other organizations are, are jumping on that, that bandwagon to show recognition of, of all those service aspects, which I think is, is really gonna resonate. So that'll get broadcast via a variety of platforms on, on the internet and, and get pushed out there. Uh, but it, it'll really kind of be that signature event that drives that, that couple of weeks associated with it leading up to that date and after up through the 19th, there'll be a series of other events, which like you uh, recollected and, and have been a part of, there'll be some uh, virtual forums, there'll be some other recognition type activities. And so we, we've got a lot of stuff kind of strung through that two week period. And uh, to your point, I, it, it resonates with, with the campus and, and the other campuses, all of them across the board here in the, in the Valley. Uh, but it'll also resonate in the local community. And what we really want to do as well is, is kind of energize the, uh, the alumni, energize those that have, have gone on and, and done things and are around the globe. So we, we think it is, is, it's kind of a global event now as, as to what Salute to Service has, has evolved to, centered on the ASU campus and, and, and driven by the, the energy and, and, the, and the creativity and, and the desire to support a lot of people that do great things. And so excited to see what comes of it here and, uh, and see where it goes in the coming years uh, as we move forward. I'm very excited that um, so many people are being honored because we really do have so many individuals that were went above and so that's really good so i want to acknowledge and thank you publicly for 
participating in uh, doing the, the lectures for my class. And I've gotten good feedback, so better feedback for you than for me. <laughs> uh, anyway, and, uh, and I hope you'll always include me as plans move forward, because it's very important to me that we are able to uh, continue our collaboration. I think it strengthens my course, and I think it helps unite the students together. And so, but I wanted to see if there was anything else that you felt uh, we should be doing to help increase dialogue with our students, with the students themselves, either by an assignment or um, just giving them a chance to dialogue with each other. What, what suggestions would you have? And I'm really looking for more input for my 410 class, but I'm sure it goes to other classes. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll harken back to something you brought up earlier when, when you were in the formative stages of, of the efforts that you've, you've done so well with here, is uh, I, I love the idea of focus groups where you can pull a, a nice uh, example set of, of people from a demographic. And, and again, each of them has their unique niche and, and perspective on things. But just uh, bringing that, to, that group together and, and forming a panel of sorts where you can give the opportunity for uh, those that have not been uh, military veterans to, to ask them questions and get, get their perspectives. Uh, in, the, in the last couple of months, I've sat on a couple of panels that other organizations have set up. And it, it's always fascinating for me as, as if I'm a panel member to get some of the questions that I do. And, 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 I, and I'm always curious as to what drives those questions. You know, why, why are they thinking that way? What is their perspective and what shapes that? And, uh, but I'm, I'm also encouraged when I hear those questions that they want to know. And, and so I'm very happy to offer my opinion for what it's worth. And, and sometimes uh, it, it may surprise them a little bit. Sometimes it's things that they expect, but when you have those dialogues and you have them consistently and, and, and you encourage that, that kind of openness, it, it serves two purposes. One, it's great for the, uh, uh, the, the folks to, uh, that are veterans to offer their perspective uh, and, and, and allows them to open up, but it also gives the, the civilian side that ability to understand and empathize with them. So I, I love the idea of, of, of kind of those forums and, and focus group and panels type things and, and we encourage seeing more of those. Well, then we will work on it. Anyway, thank you so much. I think you provided for us information on the Pat Tillman Veterans Center. And I think you helped open doors for us to think and reflect on what we may be able to do uh, to encourage our students to um, feel more at home in, with one another, which I think is important for the learning process. So anyway, thank you for your time so much today. As always, I enjoy uh, chatting with you. So you bet, thank Jennifer. you so much. Thank you. Much appreciated. We'll see you later. Okay, bye-bye.
ASU will celebrate Salute to Service 2020 from November 5 to 19. For more information and a list of events, including a special virtual concert from the Gin Blossoms scheduled for Sunday, November 8 from 7 to 8 p.m., visit veterans.asu.edu forward slash salute dash service. If you would like to connect with today's podcast guests, please email the following m.brome, that's B-R-O-U-G-H-A-M at asu.edu for Jennifer Brome. J-G-U-I-M-A-R-I at asu.edu for Jeff Gimmerin. You may also follow the Pat Tillman Veteran Center on Twitter using at SunDevilVets. Connect with us and get access to all of our podcasts by visiting thesanfordschool.asu.edu forward slash podcast, where you will also find links to all of our social media channels. conversation has come to an end, but our work here continues.